All right. Good morning. Welcome this morning. How y'all doing? That was Christafari. Such a blessing to have them. They are uh, passing through on tour, and uh, they're going to be back tonight, 5 o'clock, for a concert. Uh, it will not be on the back grass um, from all the rain. It's... You want to bring your truck and go mud bogging out there, go for it. It's like, it's pretty gnarly. Um, so come back, 5 o'clock, bring a friend. We'll probably do it in here in the sanctuary and uh, they're going to do a concert for us tonight and as an outreach also. So bring maybe a neighbor or a friend and come on back for that. Um, also, we have someone that's really creative in our church and funny and anonymous, and I love you. I normally don't open anonymous stuff, but this was sitting on the pulpit and... Um, this week we've got bingo, church bingo. You're probably wondering, what in the world is he talking about? So someone made these killer bingo cards. And uh, I'm in the center with a little picture of me, and it says free. So you get that one for free. But then it's all kinds of different things I say during the sermon, apparently. <laughs> This is awesome. Tanya and I laughed all week. It was like... <laughs> so, so check it out. You ready? Here's a couple of them. Just a little sampler. So uh, where did we leave off last week? Reference to my kiddos. Reference to my bride, Tanya. Are you with me? Hebrew or Greek definition. And all God's people said... Amen. Bible passage context, pastor joke, pet reference, including cat litter, <laughs> casual hang loose sign, song reference, illustration or story. Check this one out clock overtime mention, Old Testament reference. Amen. Mid-sermon, new word creation, <laughs> life application, cross-reference, baseball reference, and this one got me. Uh, I didn't see it on this one. It was on the one I read. Oh, is it on this one? The tongue click. Right? Is that... I realized I'm all self-conscious the first service after I shared this going, that's what it is right there, the tone click. So get your bingo cards if you want them. <laughs> that was good. Whoever you are, love you. Precious brother or sister out there, love you guys. Hey, uh, so we have a Bible study this morning. Ephesians, if you need a Bible, re- raise your hand. Ephesians chapter, chapter 3 is where we left off. What verse? Thirteen. There we go. (laughs) 
Ephesians 3. Pretty good. We there? Getting there? All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this beautiful morning that you've um, given us to be together. We trust that um, the songs have blessed you. We thank you for our friends that are passing through um, as they use their gifts and, and callings for the furtherance of your kingdom. We, we pray that you would bless them and help them and that, Lord, you'd, they'd always keep the main thing the main thing, and that's you, Jesus. And so we thank you for their ministry. Lord, as we open our hearts to you now, we, uh, we need each one of us to hear from you. So many voices out there trying to get our attention, trying to get our affection. But Lord Jesus, we need to hear your voice this morning. We need you to minister to our hearts, to meet us. God, you know exactly what each and every one of us needs to hear this morning. We need a fresh work of your Spirit and so we thank you ahead of time for the great work that you are about to do for your, by your grace and for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. All right, so just by way of reminder, as we're working our way through verse by verse through this letter, the Apostle Paul begins the first three chapters. And, and, and remember, when this was originally written, there was no chapter and verse breaks, Correct. It wasn't like today we're going to read chapter 3, verse 13 through 21. It was one letter, and there was no breaks of chapter or verse. The chapters and verse were added later, and so it helps us out, doesn't it, though, to break things up and to know where we need to go to find certain passages or verses. So this, uh, this letter, this book, breaks up into six chapters. The first three, I love it, it's really simple, the first three are all about what God has done for us. And he has certainly done a lot, has he not? Paul's reminding us as believers all of our spiritual blessings. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We are super wealthy spiritually. And then in the second half of the letter, the Apostle Paul now, when we get there, he's going to help us to apply the things that he's already communicated in light of um, our wealth, the riches, the blessings we've received, how does that translate into our walk with the Lord? And so, but in between chapter uh, three and four, there's this prayer that the Apostle Paul prays. We're going to look at this morning, and it really bridges the gap. It's super beautiful, and um, it's something that we can pray for one another. You can pray for yourself, pray for one another. I would encourage you, if you ever want to pray for me, pray this prayer. This prayer is epic. It is so good. We're going to get to that and look at that. And so remember in chapter 3 what we learned? You guys remember what we learned in chapter 3? The Apostle Paul was revealing this mystery that God had revealed to him. And the mystery was what? That both Jew and Gentile would be made one new man, the body of Christ. It doesn't matter who you are, what background you come from. What matters is if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And the miracle that happens is he makes us together as a family. He makes us all one. Isn't that beautiful? No matter what tribe, tongue, nation, whatever people group, all of those barriers are down in Christ gloriously. 
And listen, in a world that is um, a world that is unraveling super quick before our eyes, that is splintering, dividing. Um, the one place people ought to see unity and love is right here in the church, is in the body of Christ. That is what we are to be known for, and that is what Jesus has made possible. That's what he prayed for, that we would be one as he and the Father are one, working together, worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth, serving him, serving one another, loving one another. And when people look at our lives, when people look at the church, they should say there's no other explanation but God who could do that. What in the world would bring that group of weirdos together? Because aren't we? I was sharing with a precious family this week. We look kind of like, if you've ever seen Star Wars, the, uh, that, that cantina scene. <laughs> and yet the Lord brings us together in a special way, and we are his workmanship. We are his, we are his creative expression to a lost world where God wants to, to bring forth these themes and realities through our lives that only he could produce. The world can't produce that. We can't produce that in and of ourselves. And not only that, that God's wisdom, wisdom is justified by her children, Jesus said. And so when people look on, they should say, wow, look, look, at, what, look at these Christians. Look at those people. Wow, look at God's wisdom. Look at, how that, look at how that husband and wife love one another. How about the peace in their home and those kids? Wow. Look at the way that person works as under the Lord, how they forgive. I'm not saying we're not perfect, correct? But when we do blow it, we're honest with people. And we say, you know what, forgive me. I was wrong. The way I responded to you, the way I reacted, I was a total jerk. And that doesn't reflect my Lord and Savior who I serve. That was me. I sin, please forgive me. And you know what happens? There's a reality that people see, and they begin to wonder, what in the world are you people tapped into? The way you treat one another, the way you treat me. Wow, just being nice is a huge thing out there right now. Being nice to people, that's a huge thing, but it's a reflection of your relationship with Jesus Christ, abiding in him. But Paul said something else in that chapter, didn't he? He said that our being brought together, growing in grace, loving one another, serving one another is also a witness to someone else. You guys remember who it is? It's the angels. They're watching, both fallen and faithful angels. They're watching you and I. We're teaching them a lesson by the way we love one another and serve one another. And careful, they're looking and going, wow, I've watched for thousands, their wingtips scratching their head. I've been watching for thousands of years, and men and women don't get along. This is something different, unusual going on. That's not natural. And you know what? That's, you angels watching, that's a supernatural, what's going on. It's the Lord. It's Him. It's His work, a work of His Spirit in the lives of those that are yielded unto him. But not only that, we also learned something else. We learned the ABCs last week, didn't we? You guys here last week? Did we learn the ABCs of prayer? You guys remember? A is for access. You guys remember that? We have access now in prayer, right? Anywhere, anytime, we have access. B is... You guys remember what B is? Hint, hint, it's in verse 12. Hint, hint, verse 12. B is for boldness. 
Access, boldness, and then C. I see you're peeking. What's the C? It says it in there in that verse. Confidence. Isn't that great? We have access anytime, anywhere. We can come to our Heavenly Father. We can come with boldness, right? Come boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy and help and grace in our time of need. And confidence, knowing that if we ask anything according to His will, He's going to answer. He's going he's to respond. He's going to work in your life. Prayer works, doesn't it? I don't, know how, I don't know how it works, but it works. And so, let's, let's get into the text. Come on. Verse 13. Are we ready? You ready? Check out what it says. Therefore, Paul says, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. So, therefore, in light of everything that's been previously communicated, in light of the miracle of the church, of us being together as one, in light of what we have as believers, Paul says, I'm asking you, I'm requesting that you do not get bummed out, you don't lose heart, and and the verb tense is continually losing heart. And that tells me something, they love their pastor. The condition Paul was in, they had a concern for the Apostle Paul, but also Paul had a concern for them, didn't he? He's like, don't, don't, don't get stressed out about what I'm going through. I'm going through tribulations. That word means pressing and compression and, and difficult circumstances. Some of you guys I know this week, last week you're going through, you're going through tribulations, small t. Do not lose heart, Okay. The Lord says, don't lose heart. He'll give you peace. He is with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Paul's telling him, don't lose heart. I'm going through some gnarly stuff. It's for you. It's for you, which is your, what does it say? Your glory. Isn't that interesting? This is for, what I'm going through is for your glory. I've been trying to wrap my mind around this all week long. That word glory means honor. It means magnificence. It means beauty also. And so Paul's like, you know what? I'm enduring with joy for you. Where was Paul at, by the way? He was in prison. And he says, all that I've gone through, all the tribulations, all the hardship, all of these things, don't get bummed out. I'm doing this with joy. It's for you, for your glory. In other words, that you would, that you would be blessed. That, that as you guys are being fitted together as the temple of God, that you would be shining God's radiance, His brilliance through your lives. You are His workmanship. You are his, you're, you're the light of the world. What I've gone through is helping you shine even more. Paul's not singing the blues in prison, is he? Is he singing the prison blues? The poor Mimis? Oh. He started this letter with like, let's celebrate the Lord. Let's celebrate God. This is what he's done. He's so awesome. He's like, don't lose heart. This is for your glory. This is a benefit to you. Don't feel sorry for me. I'm blessed. And what was Paul doing in prison? He was able to write letters, wasn't he? He was able to write letters and he wasn't chained to Rome. Rome was chained to him, right? He's got prison guys chained to him also. And guess what? captive audience, isn't it? You ever had people try to get away from you when you're trying to share with them? There was no getting away from the Apostle Paul. You're chained to me, buckaroo, and you're going to hear about the gospel. You're going to hear about Jesus. And that, that's what happened. Because in Philippians, we learn that all, all kinds of people in Caesar's household are getting saved. 
getting radically transformed. That's the power of the gospel, correct? But I think there's something else. Paul's like, my perspective on my service for God is that no matter what it costs me, it's, it's so worth it. And I look at this and I say, am I willing to suffer for others? Are we willing to suffer for others? To go through tribulation for their sake? To see them blessed? To see for their glory? That's a challenge, isn't it? Paul lays down an example for you and I, brother or sister, but who is the greatest example of this? Jesus Christ, the one who's living in you and living in me. And by this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us. And John would pick up later in his epistle, he would say, by this we know, love, that Jesus gave his life for us. And you also ought to lay down your lives for your brethren. That's something in light of what Jesus has done. The proper response is what? To lay down our lives for our spouse, for our kids, to make their lives better, those in the church, right? That's communicating that we have a real, genuine relationship with the Lord, that his love is flowing and growing in our lives. And so Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, to humble ourselves, to, to be willing to serve others. And we can, listen, we can say it with our lips, but it gets, it gets tested practically every day, doesn't it? Whether I'm willing to lay down my life to make, to make someone else's life better so that they would be blessed. And we probably don't realize how big of an impact we have on people when we do that. When we follow our Lord's example, we choose to lay down our lives, to embrace the process, even when it's difficult and when it's hard. The Lord will give you the strength to do it. He'll give you the power. In fact, Paul's going to pray that in just a moment that we would be strengthened in our inner man by the Holy Spirit to do that because our flesh kicks against that, doesn't it? Our flesh wants ease and comfort, self-preservation. But I know, I know that this touches, our, this touches some of us in the wrong way because our flesh doesn't like to hear this. Correct? No amens, just me. Pray for me, man. Because I want to hold on to my life. It's me time. Right? It's all about my little, my little world, whatever's going on in my little world. But it's like, no, listen, our lives have been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Lord's living in you and living in me. The greatest Christian that ever lived is living in your heart, in my heart. And the direction he's headed is to lay down our lives for others so that they would be blessed and lifted up. Are you with me? Such a great example from Paul. And now Paul expresses boldness. And what else? And, and access, boldness, and confidence in prayer. And he bridges the gap here. And here's his prayer. Look what it says with me. Check it out. Verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees. I bow my knees, plural, to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And here's his request for the church, for us that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might. How? Through his Spirit. Where? In the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height 
to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Is that a great prayer or what? Isn't that awesome? For this reason, what reason? Look at verse 14 with me. For this reason, what reason? For what God has done. Paul says, in light of what God has done, man, the proper response right now is to get on my knees to pray and to say, Father, would you, would you strengthen my brothers and sisters? That's the first thing he requests. But notice where he begins. He gets on his knees. And by the way, that is, a, that is a position or posture we see throughout the Scriptures. There was plenty of people in the Bible that got on their knees to pray. We see other times people are standing. So it's not like a hard and fast rule. We always need to get on our knees to pray. But you know, if we can, there should be times we get on our knees to pray. It's a position of humility. It's a, it's a communication of what's going on in my heart. I'm just bowing down to you, Lord, to request this for my family, for my brothers and sisters, that you would move in a powerful way in their lives. And so Paul bows his knees. And I think it's interesting just to, the fact that Paul prayed. Paul prayed. And we see a number of his prayers... We saw one of them already in chapter 1. Now we see another here in chapter 2. Jesus said, men always ought to pray and not faint or not lose heart. Did Jesus teach us to pray? Did he model it for us? In Gospel of Luke, it is noted so many times how often Jesus prayed. In fact, Jesus took James, Peter, and John to a prayer meeting a couple times, didn't he? Remember what they did? Thank you that they're sawn logs. Listen, when we're, when we're sleeping instead of praying, like we miss out on stuff, we, we respond in the flesh. But really it's the position of our hearts is bottom line. But Paul followed Jesus' example, and Jesus ever lives to make intercession for you and for me. Some of you all know Pastor Yoel from Cuba. He comes every once in a while to the United States. Wednesday nights, he, he fills in for me, and he shares and does a Bible study. We see him when we go to Cuba. And he said to me one time when we were in Cuba, he said, No ora, no poder. Si ora, si poder. That, amen. Let me translate that for you. No prayer, no power. Yes, prayer, yes, power. It is so true. It is so true. And the enemy wants to keep us from prayer, right? Any way he can. Shooting fiery darts with sleep potion on them. <laughs> Make us sleep instead of pray. Because those are our weapons, the word of God and prayer and the battle that we're in, gang. And so Paul prays, and it's a spirit-led prayer, and it's a prayer right in line with God's heart and with his mind. And so we can pray this, and, and he begins with our Father, right? Isn't that what Jesus taught us? When you come before God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, we call him what? We call him Dad, our Father. And notice our Father, right? He is our Father together, right? Because it says in the next verse, from whom the whole family and heaven and earth is named. We are sons and daughters of the living God. How? By our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're connected as a family. Is that what it says? We're a family? 
the whole family, those that have gone before us, our brothers and sisters that are waiting, right? Waiting for us to go home, or they're coming with Jesus, and we're going to meet him in the air. Because Jesus is preparing a place for us right now, isn't he? Did he say something about that? I go to prepare a place for, for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Isn't that good news? This morning Jesus is coming. But we're still a family, right? It exists simultaneously in two spots. And then now, look at the request. Number one request, verse 16, that your inner man would be strengthened by God. Look what it says to me, that God would grant you, he would gift you, supply you in relation to or in proportion to the riches of his glory. Isn't that sweet? The abundance of his worth, his value, that we would be strengthened, we would be empowered, increase in vigor. We would experience God's dominating strength, his, his power, but notice how it's through his spirit. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. Do you guys catch that? By his spirit where? In our what? In our inner man. In our hearts. In the inner person. Do you know you have an inner person? Believer, brother or sister? Do you guys know that? Just as real as your physical person, you have an inner man as well. Are you with me on this? We do a lot to take care of our physical man, don't we? Do we do a lot to take care of our physical man? Right? We feed our bodies. We bathe. You guys bathe? You clean your body, correct? Not, like, not trick question, sorry. But we do a lot. And the, and, and the inner man is often the most neglected part of our lives. It's often the most neglected part. Because we think about when's the last time we skipped a meal? Probably haven't in a while, right? But Jesus said that about the word of God, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We are transformed by the renewing of our, of our minds, right? And the outward man is perishing, but the inward man needs to be renewed day by day. How did Paul keep going? He's like the Energizer Bunny, isn't he? Don't you like read about him? Like, man, he just nonstop. This dude just... You guys know the Energizer Bunny? Some of you guys do. Google it. Check it out. Just the... the the catchy little thing was what? It was, he keeps going, going, going. How did the Apostle Paul keep going, keep going? Because he was renewed daily. Outward man perishing, inward man being renewed day by day. Listen, I'm going to say this. I believe it. The inner man is the most important part of us. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 4 to guard our hearts with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. In other words, everything, everything comes out from our hearts. Jesus said that. He spoke about where, where evil comes from. It comes from the heart. That's why we need to have our hearts changed. We need a new heart and a new start, and that's what God offers. Jesus said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. The evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. And then Jesus said what? He said, out of the heart, the mouth, out of the overabundance of the heart, the mouth, speaks. Our tongues are attached to our hearts. What's in here is going to come out. That's why our hearts need to be cleansed and washed. We need to be strengthened in the inner man. In fact, Jesus, Jesus spoke about the condition of our hearts in the parable of the soils, didn't he? You guys remember the parable of the soils? You guys remember that? Four, four conditions. 
first one trampled down, right? All that foot traffic. And some of us here this morning, you haven't guarded your heart. There's so much foot traffic going through your heart. You can't hear the word of God. It gets picked off because you're not guarding your heart with all diligence. And it's trampled down and you let just traffic just run rampant through your heart. And then there's a person that hears the word and they're stoked, but then persecution or difficulty comes. And what happens? They fall away. There's fear or whatever happens and they fall away and there's no fruit because there's no root. And then there's the person that was once a fruitful life. Their life was fruitful for the kingdom. Their heart was tender and soft before the Lord. But then what happens? The cares, the concerns of this life, in contrast to the life to come, they get caught up with those things, the riches, the wealth, concerns of this life. And what happens? Their fruit gets choked out. Oh, We see it all the time, don't we? People so concerned with the things of this earth. And their life is no longer making a difference at all. But Jesus said, listen, the one who hears the word of God with a noble heart, they keep the word of God, they do the word of God. And what happens? Is that the clicking? Fruit just starts popping out in their life. It's natural. Because why? Because they're caring for their inner man. And it's being strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because I'm yielding to the Lord. Lord, I need your cleansing. I need your work in my heart. I haven't guarded my heart. And then you start to guard your heart. And you realize how important it is to keep your heart with all diligence. That it's not just some lip service we pay to that, but we protect our hearts from what goes in and what comes out as well. And when something does come out, we say, Lord, forgive me. I was wrong. That was bad. If we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to what? To purify us from all unrighteousness. It means to remove the poison. We got some poison in our hearts. That's why John had to write that. First John 1 John 1.9. We, 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 we laugh about it. We call it the Christian bar of soap, but it's more than just a bar of soap. It's getting, it's getting our hearts expunged, cleansed of junk and poison and garbage because there's so much in there that needs to be removed, and it's removed with confession. It's not just drive-through confession. It's saying, Lord, forgive me. I was wrong. You're right. I'm wrong. And so we need to be strengthened in our inner man. We need to be strengthened in the inner man to resist temptation and to live pure lives. Remember when Jesus dealt with temptation in the wilderness? You guys remember that? Inner man guarded, the word of God hidden in his heart. You guys remember David and Peter? You guys remember David and Peter from the Bible? How many sad days and nights do you think they had because they didn't watch their hearts, they didn't guard their hearts? In a minute's time, they let it go. We need to be strengthened in the inner man because life is difficult, isn't it? We've chosen the narrow way. The narrow way. What did Jesus say about the narrow way? Is it easy? It's difficult. He said it's straight up, right? This is not your best life now. Your best life is to come. It's going to be difficult, man. Living for the Lord, swimming upstream. Any dead fish can swim downstream. We're swimming upstream. And we need the Lord. We need the power of His Spirit to strengthen us in the inner man. We need to be strengthened in the inner man because we're living in the end times. And there are perilous times. God spoke to Jeremiah about that. Listen, I think I mentioned this last week. If you're struggling now, in a land of peace, what's going to happen when, when the, the water is overflowing the banks and it gets really gnarly? 
what are you going to do then? We need to be strengthened in the inner man, the inner you, not the natural man, not the flesh. We are to have no confidence in the flesh. And once we understand the real need, we will pray for our inner man, our inner person. Do you know that? And you know what happens? Everything falls into line when we do. Are you with me on this? This is like crucial. Take care of your inner man and everything else will fall into place. The strength comes from the, whole, the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul prays, may you sense and experience his, own, his overwhelming power, strengthening you from within. We need this desperately. I need this desperately. We all do. If we're going to live the Christian life and to reflect his glory, we're so, are we weak? Are, are we weak? That's about 80, maybe 75% of the room are I hope we recognize that. Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is. Because what did the guy say? Hey, Peter said what? Lord, I'm rocky. I'll never let you down. These bozos, they'll let you down. Not me. I'm there to the death. Correct? And then it's interesting because you read one of the gospels that says, and everyone else chimed in and said the same thing. So they're all going, yeah, we're behind you, Lord. We'll never. And it's overconfidence in the flesh, in the self. Correct? You guys ever get overconfidence in your flesh? I can, I can do this. I've been walking with the Lord. Lord, I've got this. I've been walking with you for a while now. I'm a mature Christian. I've got a few years under my belt. Maybe those younger, more fragile Christians... They might need your help in this area, but not me. And you know what? What happens? You slam, don't you? You guys know what I'm saying? Anybody can relate? I see a lot of head shaking. Yes. If no, keep trusting in your own strength and your own flesh. Just wait a little while. Just set a clock. And so, I mean, we learn all those examples from the Bible. We want to learn from the mistakes, don't we? Not only from the people in the Bible, but our own mistakes as well. And Paul's saying this because why? We need to be strengthened in our inner man. And he goes on. Look at this. We're weak. We need his grace. His his grace is sufficient. Strength is made perfect in our weakness. And then he goes on. Look at verse 17 with me. Number two, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through what? Through faith. That your heart, here's the request. So number one, strength in your inner man by the Holy Spirit. Number two, that Jesus, that your heart would be a home for Jesus. Well, wait a minute. Isn't Jesus already in my heart? He is. Remember, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens up, I will come into him and dine with him and him with me. Right? So Jesus, when we open our heart to him, He comes in. In fact, Jesus put it another way. If you're taking notes, I'm going to read it. I love this verse. John 14, 23. Jesus said, if anyone loves me, yes, he will keep my word. Yes. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Isn't that good? So we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He comes in. Does the Father come in and the Son come in? Yes. Does the Holy Spirit come in? Yes. How does it work out? I got no clue, but I love it. So what's this deal about that he would dwell? That word dwell in the Greek, there's two different words for to live or to dwell. 
One means to come and to live as a stranger or a foreigner or an alien. The other word means to settle down as a permanent resident, to live in a home, or to finally settle down and feel completely at home. So where does Jesus want to settle down and feel completely at home? In our hearts. To not be a stranger, but to live as a permanent resident. And listen, throughout the Bible, you read your Bible from from cover to cover, God's heart has always been, I want to live with my people. And He chose the closest possible place to come and live with you and I right into our hearts. Isn't that beautiful? He comes right, right on in. And it's simply through what? Do we earn it? Through what? What does your Bible say? Through faith. Jesus at home in your heart. Do you guys ever have people come to your house? You guys ever, you guys ever have people come to your house? Some people, like neighbors or whatever, people, they come and they don't get any further than the front door, Correct. Maybe you guys watch them on your camera. You guys have cameras or something? What do you guys look at the peephole? Look at that thing. What is, is that what it is? A peephole? Is that what it's called? Periscope or something? <laughs> Who is it? Right? Ah, we're good. Thank you. Just leave it on the front. Some people, you open the door and you let them in, right? Just that's as far as they get, right? The, what is that? The entryway, the foyer kind of thing? You guys with me? They don't get any further. You're kind of like, I got a neighbor that doesn't let me get any, like kind of just stands right there. I'm like, let me kind of get in there and see what's going on in this home. (laughs) But some people, right, they just, you get to come in and you make yourself at what? At home. Man, kick off your shoes. Get, here you go. Refrigerator's yours. Right? Right? Just don't touch the mint chocolate chip. Uh, Upper right. Keep your mitts off. No. There's a comfort, isn't there? You're welcoming and comforting. And so this speaks of intimacy with Jesus so close, a life that's welcoming to him. His goal is that we'd settle down in a relationship with him where he's at home with us and we are at home with him, having an awareness of his thereness. Are you with me? Recognizing he's with you no matter where you are, no matter where you're going. Like Job said, does he not see my ways and count all my steps? God said to Abraham, walk before me and be blameless. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to do this, to trust him. Why? Because our flesh resists this. Our flesh resists the Lord Jesus fully settling down and feeling at home in our hearts. How do I know? Because that's how my heart is. Right? Jesus comes in, and he's okay in this room, in this room. All right, Lord. But then there's the closet that stinks and needs to get fumigated. Lord wants to check it out, but you're like, no, you're not getting in there. You guys are smiling and laughing. You know what I'm talking about. Not this room, Lord. Maybe later. I don't feel very comfortable with you going in there. And you know what? The Lord loves you so much. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. And the more you walk with Him, the longer you walk with Him, you make, you make 
your heart his home, because it belongs to him, by the way. It is his home. And you say, Lord, you know what? This does stink. It's dishonoring to you. It's dishonoring. It's it's derailing others. Lord, would you just, I'm giving this to you. I'm surrendering and yielding this. And you begin to walk with the Lord, and you know what begins to happen? Those rooms get cleaned up. Stuff starts to fall away. Stuff that you put such a high priority on. And the Lord's like, just give this to me. Let me deal with it. Let me handle it. Let me fix up the house. And Paul prays that Jesus might live in our hearts as his home, to feel at home in our hearts. And think about your family. Does your family that you live with, do they know you really well? No? Does your family at home know you very well? Not a trick question. Does your family know you? Better than anybody else, right? Hopefully you're the same person there as at church. Who knows you even better? Jesus does. And he loves you. He still loves us and accepts us no matter what. He saves us, but he doesn't want to leave us in the condition that he found us in. And he's working towards molding and shaping our lives in a glorious way. We are his workmanship. And he wants to be settled in our lives. And Paul prays this. You know why Paul prays this? Because there were some in the church that no doubt they were uns- it was unsettled that Jesus was not at home in their hearts. And so may our hearts become his home. Does Jesus feel at home in your heart? Does he feel welcome? Is he comfortable? Are there rooms off limits to him? What room do I need to yield to him? What room is off limits? What area of my life am I not yielding to Jesus? And how does it happen? How does all this play out? How does it, it says through faith, you simply by trust, you trust him. Say, Lord, I trust you. It's not, fix, it's not remodeling yourself. It's not fixing yourself up. It's the Lord doing it. It's by faith, trusting him. and saying, Lord, I trust you. Well, I'm struggling in my faith, Mike. What do I do? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Get into the word of God. And the Lord will minister to your heart. And we're transformed by the renewing of our minds as we get into the word. It's such an awesome thing. And it's always coming back to Jesus. And he's going to help you. He's going to fix you and work in you. And we trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at the third request with me. Verse 17 to 19, that you may be rooted and grounded in what? In love. Rooted and grounded. I love this. You're thoroughly and deeply established secured, stable in God's unchanging, everlasting love. It's not talking about self-love, by the way. Are you guys with me? This is a big issue in the church today, is this self-love kick. The Bible does not teach self-love. Oh, yeah, it does. That's our problem. Are you with me? Last days, perilous times, men will be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. That is our issue, correct? That's not even, is that not the whole room? Is that our, if you don't see that, if I took a picture of all of us this morning and posted it online, who would you be looking for? 
Would you be looking for the chick doing the... <laughs> Did you see that up here? You'd be looking for who? Who would you be looking for? You. And you'd say, what would you say? Oh, my hair looks terrible. They need to get rid of that picture. Oh, look at that. Look at my face. Correct? Because... We love ourselves. That's our problem. That's why Jesus says, deny yourself, take your cross daily and follow me. The self is the problem. And I'm bringing this up. I'm going off on this just for a second because it's such a problem on the campuses in Christian colleges. My girls were sharing this with me. And, and you, know, you know, it stems from this. When Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. It doesn't say three, because that's what they've added. Well, to do that, to love God and to love others, you got to learn to love yourself. That's a lie, you guys. Jesus said there's only two commandments, love God and love others. And if we want to experience his resurrection power, the self needs to be denied and put to death. You guys with me? And so Paul prays that we would be rooted and grounded in God's love. He's proven his love, hasn't he? Has he demonstrated his love? But God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's nothing you can do to make him not love you. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more. Or love you less. He loves you. He loves you because he loves you. God is love. You can't earn his love. You don't deserve his love. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, gang. Nothing. His love is unconditional. You can't change his love. And so Paul reminds them being what? Rooted and grounded. When your roots go down, you absorb nutrients and we're to be rooted in his love. And what begins to happen? And the love, we're rooted in his love and the nutrients, the, the love begins to flow from our lives, touching other people's lives. And grounded speaks of stability. His love has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, and not just to hoard that love, that that love would be flowing from our lives. It's to be the basis, the foundation for all we do. 1 Corinthians 13, isn't it not? If, if, we're, if we're not doing what we do by love, how much does it profit us? Nothing. We become as clanging cymbals or gongs. The things were, It's just noise if there's no love involved. And so Paul prayed that we would, look what he says here in verse 18, that we would comprehend, lay hold of, to grasp and apprehend to make it your own with all the saints. God wants all of us to grab hold of his love, to know what, to, to grab hold of this, to understand how vast the width, the length, the depth, the height, how immense every dimension, that we would have a grip, a solid understanding of his love. Every dimension, we'd plumb the depths and soar the heights of his love, gang. He wants his love to become such a part of us that we would not just sing songs about love or write poems about love, but that we would what? Look at verse 19, that we would know the love of Jesus. That word know means to know intimately, to know through personal experience. So it's not just in words or in your head, but something we can know, we need to know. 
even though it passes all knowledge. His love is discoverable, knowable, but you'll never reach the end of it. So how do we put this all together? Listen, we are so secure. Jesus loves you. Do you know that this morning? Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. We are weak, but he is strong. His love doesn't change. It doesn't fluctuate based upon our performance. His love is not fickle. And Paul prays that we would know this love. The width, the depth, the height, the length. Well, how do we, what is the width of his love? How wide is it? Just look at Jesus on the cross. Stretching out his arms for you and for me. How wide is his love? His love covers all of our sins, does it not? Love covers a multitude of sins. Love holds no record of wrongs. That's how wide his love is. How long is his love? Is that that what it was? How long long will his love last? Forever. Jeremiah 31.1. You know what it says? Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. What is the depth of his love? He came from heaven to earth. Philippians 2. He humbled himself, taking the form of a bondservant, suffering a death, the death on the cross, to rescue us, to save us. How high is his love? We read in Ephesians 2, didn't we? That he's made us alive in Christ. He's already seated us in the heavenlies. We're already there. That's what he sees. That's how high his love is. He already sees us there. And Paul prays that we would lay hold of this love and make it our own. And Listen, it's one thing to talk about it, but it's another thing to know and experience it in a real way. And some people, the way they treat me, I experience God's love. Some people, I watch how they treat others, I see God's love. And some people are not easy to love, are they? Some people are easy to love, aren't they? Some people are not so easy, yes. I'm learning, that's how we grow. That's how we grow in love. When we love those people that are not so easy to love, you want to experience God's love in your life? Start loving the unlovables. And watch what the Lord will do by faith, trusting in His Spirit. Because it says all the saints, doesn't it, in there? May be able to comprehend with all the saints. There's some weirdos. There's some that drive you nuts. Some are very different than you. But what does Jesus say? I love you and I love them. And I want you to love them too. I died for that person. Correct? Because John says, we can't, we can't come in here and sing, I love you, Lord, but I can't stand that brother or sister, and I'm going to sit on across the room and ignore them. Do you know that? He says that that, that doesn't fit if you're a Christian. It doesn't work. That's a bogus confession. Because we're to love God and to love our brothers and sisters, the Bible says. Jesus said to, to Peter, if you care about me, then care for those that I care about. John 21. And it's a life that rests in his love. It's a life that rests in his love. Listen, perfect love casts out all fear. How many people are so fearful? How many Christians today are so fearful? Perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. It drives out fear and all, fe- and all ungodly fears. 
because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So we rest in his love this morning. We receive his love. We are not just recipients, but we're conduits. And then look at how he finishes here this prayer. Verse 19, that you may be filled with what? With all the fullness of God. How much is that? Is that a lot? That you may be filled. Can you pray that? God, would you strengthen my brothers and sisters by your spirit in their inner man? Lord Jesus, would you make yourself at home in my brothers and sisters' hearts? Would they come to know your love, grab hold of that, and experience your love in a special way? And would they be filled with all your fullness? And the picture is God pouring into our lives. I love that picture. Because there's a lot, listen, there's a lot of options out there to fill our lives with, isn't there? You can fill your life, you can try to fill the emptiness with all kinds of stuff out there, but none of it will satisfy. And Paul prays that we would be filled. Listen, whatever you're filled with, that's what's coming out of you. That's interesting, isn't it? I remember asking one of my daughters when they were little, hey, if, if dad's not filled with the Spirit, what am I filled with? And you know what she said? You. That's right. That's all you're filled with is you. Self-sufficiency, self-dependence, self, 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 me, me, me. I need to be filled with all of this fullness. And what begins to happen when we're filled? We're going to read about it in Ephesians 5.18. Don't be drunk with wine. Don't be under the influence of booze or anything else, which is dissipation, which is a waste, right? It is a waste, isn't it? Man, I'm so wasted. You're right, dude. You're wasting your life, your time, your talents, your treasures. Don't be, if we're going to change the world, it's not by, not by being sipping saints, okay? That may offend some of you. It's okay. I love you. We're going to change, you want to change your marriage, your home, your community, this planet? It's by being a man or a woman filled with the Holy Spirit with all the fullness of God, being under his influence, surrendered, my heart guarded. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Jesus said, come to me and drink, and out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. That should be a normal description of our lives, that wherever we go, we're a human drinking fountain. That what's coming out of us is refreshing and cleansing to others. Because why? Because we're filled. We come back, to, we, we pour out, we come back to Jesus and fill up. Isn't that simple? Is that simple or not too simple? Lord, fill me up. And what begins to happen? I, listen, I pray that prayer all day long. I, all day long. Because I think sometimes it takes more, more of the Spirit working in my life to do the kitty litter. There's the illustration, bingo, for some of you than it is to do a Bible study. Because my flesh kicks against that. I don't want to do that. You know what I'm saying? Are you moms? You guys know. And dads? Kids in diapers? You guys remember? Some of you guys remember those days? 
Honey, I think I smell something, but I'm, I'm doing my Bible study. Something smells funny around here. I'm deep in the Word. I, I learned from Pastor on Sunday that I've got to dig deep. It's flesh, right? I don't want to get up out of my comfy little spot reading my Bible and drinking my latte and go take care of Bambino Jr., right? Clean to get the dirty diaper. The flesh kicks against that. But then what happens when you say, okay, Lord, fill me up. Give me the strength to do this. What happens? I love you, Lord. Right? Get the little thing going. They still make those across the front, right? Yeah, something like that. Where am I at? Be filled. <laughs> And what happens? More and more, you're going to act like him, think like him, react like him, love like him. Jesus promised an abundant life, and it's a result of an abiding relationship. It's not just Jesus being a stranger in your heart, but saying, Lord, your heart's my home. It's all yours. My will absorbed into yours. May your will be done. I'm tired, Lord. I'm I'm worn out doing my own strength, my own sufficiency trying to fix this in my life, fix that, fix that person. We try to fix people, don't we? Lord, just fill me that and use my life to, to be a conduit of your grace, your truth. And then he finishes. Look at how he finishes. Last two verse, verses. Because we are, uh, we're not out of time. What does it say? Another two hours? Sweet. We can, there's the time. Bingo. Somebody get that one. Because you think, well, is this possible? Is it possible for the Lord to answer this prayer in my life? I'm praying this for my spouse, my kids. Is it possible? Can the Lord do it? Let's see. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works, where? In us. To him be, the, be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's almost like Paul began to finish. Like He finishes the prayer. He's like, oh, i got to praise God. Now to him who is able to do... Oh, whoa, 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 time out. To him who is able to do exceedingly... No, 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 scratch that. Exceedingly, abundantly. No, 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 scratch that. Exceedingly abundantly above all. Scratch that. Exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Isn't that good? Can you think some big things? I can. What we verbalize, what we don't verbalize, and notice consistent with the God's power operating inside us. God can do that right now. Do you believe that? You guys believe that? Isn't that awesome? Don't, listen, don't allow the thief of unbelief to get into your heart to rip you off on this. Happens. God wants to show himself mighty on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal unto him. To him be the glory, amen, in the church by Christ Jesus, every period of history, all eternity, amen. Listen, the only fitting response to all of this is not Not unto us, not unto us be the glory, but to you.
be the glory. Amen? In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much. Another amazing passage, Lord, you've brought us through. And I pray that my precious brothers and sisters would take away the things that have come from your heart, God. That the chaff would be blown away, that the precious would be removed from the vile. And that my brothers and sisters, God, that you love so dearly and deeply, that they would be strengthened by your Spirit in their inner person, in their inner man, inner woman. That you would do that, God, in a special way as we build ourselves up on our most holy faith. We can't do it apart from you. We need you. That we would know your love in an even greater way. To grab hold of your love. To be rooted and grounded in love. That your love would be flowing and growing in our lives. That we'd be filled with your fullness. We desperately need your filling. So do it, Lord. Have your way. That our lives, our homes, your church would bring you glory. Glory. 